0: Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am the unaffiliated entity Simone de Rochefort, and I am joined tonight by Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat, and Christina Warren, senior tech correspondent
1: at Mashable.com.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: Christina, uh, I'm sorry. Simone, I'm very scared today. I'm very scared today. Of me? So, of, of something. Um of I was looking at my messages, and I don't always read it, and I got this this iMessage from Simone de Rochefort it said haha okay sorry i didn't get back to you earlier i was assassinating <laughs> and now i'm like do i take this to the police when did like, i send that? you know what? you did you did it's right here we have the evidence it's all screen capped so it's amazing did that come in yeah. today
0: or is that an old message
1: it's it's an old you said it to me like uh back when i did my tomb raider piece for polygon um so it's pretty old <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I'm oh um, going to send that to police and you know, your days of assassinating are coming to an end. That's
0: fair. I've honestly yep. just been waiting for someone to call me on it. Um, I'm but, glad that it's you. Yep. I trust you. I respect you. I always have. And I hope that uh, you you see you hope I hope that you bring me the justice that I deserve.
1: See you in court.
0: All right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> since I haven't seen you since PAX, I'd love to see you in court, Brianna Wu.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. So today, we have a show. Uh, Want to talk about Lumberyard first? That's a
1: yeah. Uh, it's kind of a more tech-heavy topic, but I'm happy to happy to talk about that. Yeah,
0: let's just jump right in with that. So yeah, Amazon right today um, put out Amazon Lumberyard, which is an engine that can be used by game developers. It's intended uh, to allow people to make games for um, systems like the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. Currently, I think it's in beta, and it is free unless you want to integrate with Amazon Web Services, which will allow things like online play. And they basically bought the Crytek engine, if I'm not wrong, Brianna. Have you used that?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, we've definitely experimented with it. We're um when you make a company and decide to kind of specialize in an area of tech, like obviously you try a few things before uh, <laughs> deciding to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in a certain direction. So yeah, we, we're we're pretty familiar with CryEngine at my mm-hmm. studio.
0: Yeah. And it's I think one of the interesting things about this, well, I think it's a smart move. Um I'm waiting for someone to Disagree with me on that, but I, the fact that they're going for making games rather than making hardware. Because I remember when when the Amazon Fire TV came out and I reviewed kind of the gaming ecosystem on that, I was pretty disappointed. Yes. There was some good stuff, but I didn't like the interface at all. And there and was that just was a ab- buttload of crap on there. And that well. was a
2: year and a, and that was a year and a half after they'd launched the first Fire TV and the first like attempt at that game platform. So mm-hmm. you were disappointed with its ecosystem as you should have been, and it. Was because it wasn't improved from when they launched the the, the first yeah. device. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Plus, I, I would argue that you know their their gaming efforts go back even further. You know they have the Amazon App Store, obviously for um, the the Fire tablets and for Android phones, and, and they've Ooh. been trying to push people to build apps and submit them to the Amazon app store and nobody just really has done it. Their their whole app strategy has kind of been a, a flop. So it's interesting to me to see them now go into this um, this game engine strategy. I mean, I, it sounds good. I'd love to hear Bree's thoughts on, on what you think oh. about it. Uh, but, I mean, it sounds good. At the same time, it also sounds kind of I'm like, hmm, what's the catch?
1: Hmm. Well, you know, Chrissy, I love it because every week, like your job is writing about tech for Mashable, so usually you are in possession of the most information. I feel like this is my week to shine, people. Like, like this is is my area. This is your area. So I. I have to say, like, uh, you know, earlier last year, I was, uh, you know, I was flown over to France and, uh, you know, it was for a, a video game award show. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I can get to judge video games. And they That's put me in the, Chelsea, the right? group too. I was there with Chelsea and Chelsea got to review, I believe, iOS games. And I was stuck reviewing everything on the Amazon Fire tablet. <gasps> oh, so I got to so go you know to France and play a lot of uh, Amazon Fire games. So I feel uh very i feel like i've experienced the 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 breadth of content on that <laughs> system so kind of backing up for a minute you know um so cry engine is i guess who would, i would honestly call it kind of the poor cousin engine of game development you know you have the the big dogs unreal engine which is what i use uh you know and specialize in and unreal uh you know, basically that engine came about, I think it was 1998. So, you know, we've been working on this for a really, really long time. there's Unity, which got a lot of traction at colleges because Unreal was extremely expensive for a really long time. Uh, whereas uh, Unity, you could just buy a license for a few thousand dollars. And it was like free to academic institutions. So as a result of that, and with the, the iPhone coming out, um, you know, colleges for a long time have kind of specialized in Unity, uh, which also uses C Sharp, uh, just like Microsoft technologies tend to do. So, you know, you have Unreal, Unity and then you have CryEngine. Uh, so um, CryEngine is the engine behind games like Crisis, uh which are kind of these these hyper realistic um games, you know, first person shooters. So the advantage of the Crisis engine versus say Unreal, um you know, you don't work on a game engine since nineteen ninety eight and not have it be substantially more sophisticated, so Unreal engine is very hard to use, but you know the the tool set is very mature, the features are very robust uh the stuff we specialize in the matinee system you know that is something that people have been working on for what fifteen years at this point. CryEngine, on the other hand, I would say it excels in, like, if you were looking for a purely awesome visual experience, I think that some of their optimization with poly count and particles and some of their tricks about the way they load shaders are a little bit better. Then Unreal has the potential to be, but because the reality of it is that engine is so much harder to work with on a day-to-day basis, just not a lot of people use it. Um, it's also much better kind of giving a, um, a really awesome color, which, you know, Crisis looks better than say the average Unreal game, which looks like it takes place in a sewer. So, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's interesting for Amazon to be using this strategy because, Yeah, let's just be honest here on Rocket. Like Amazon App Store, I know a lot of talented people that work on that team. Kim Swift, yeah, she left Valve and the Portal team, and she works over at Amazon now. So, yeah, there's a lot of people working on that team, but they haven't really found a way to monetize it or really put out Premiere content over there. So I think it makes sense in the wider um you know, look at systems and Christina, this is where I would love your opinion on this. It seems like every time anyone was talking about creating startup like three, four years ago with any kind of, you know, back end or cloud component, they were talking about using Amazon's S3 services, um, which right in, in AW and when you look at that, let's, let's be honest, it's not cheap. Right, like there are cheaper, there are a lot cheaper Um, systems than that. There are a lot cheaper.
2: There aren't. It depends on what you want to do. They are priced because they keep cutting their prices because everybody does. They actually started the price war. One of the reasons why they became so successful and people Uh started using S3 and then people started using AWS and EC2 for compute they're a lot cheaper, for instance, than Rackspace or some of your other big web hosts, especially for uh, things if you're trying to build CDN, things if you're doing a lot of image storage, doing a lot of compute power. They were really the first pioneers in that. Now they've they've hit back and there's a lot more competition from Google and from from um, Microsoft, especially with the Azure stuff. But you know you have other cloud solutions too. Uh, but sure. I would argue that they gained traction because they both had an API that you could write to and were easy to use, and because even though they, as you as you pointed, they're not they're not cheap, but they were at the time, especially. When when they came out now as the market has changed some of their prices have gone up some of them have gone down but they entered and basically kind of created um a, a cost for what you pay for what you use market that frankly didn't exist before them so before Absolutely. you pay, and, so, and that yeah.
1: that really comes into my point here where i think it's like you said like they came into the marketplace they offered a solution it was very price competitive at a time but i think since they did that they're facing a lot more competition Huge and what competition. i what i personally see when i talk to other people you know developing games with the back end component or you know even even you know traditional web stuff i see amazon not being not having the monopoly i think they used to have on that so i think this is a smart move to kind of Make this is the reason they did this because they're not making money from forking the Cry engine. They are mm-hmm. making money from having you come in and using Twitch on it. And yeah. let's yes. be clear, like integrating Twitch into this Huge, is smart a as very very smart move. Well, and um, it makes
2: their, it makes their Twitch acquisition make a lot more sense
1: too. For absolutely, yeah. absolutely, I do have to say this from the development side. You know, again, like forking this engine in. You know, CryEngine, I I just have to say it, they were effed financially. They have been effed financially for a really long time. And, you know, they were at a point where the numbers I'm hearing really look like they came in. Amazon gave them, you know, basically a song and helped pull <laughs> their butt out of the financial fire uh, to the point where, you know, they do still own CryEngine. But, you know, Amazon is going to be forking it. Mm-hmm. I personally am not sold on Amazon's ability to, you know, maintain a fork and make that yes. relevant to the larger game development sphere, which yes. is a tremendously tricky thing. That I mean, was do you really be my
0: question to you, actually, because they have a yeah. really bad track record with it. Well, God, yeah.
1: do you truly believe? that Amazon is going to be able to come in and like, if I'm developing a game that is, you know, going to be big enough and expensive enough to use, you know, frankly, an engine like CryEngine, like, do you really expect Amazon to be able to maintain support for the PS4, for the Xbox Mm. One, you know, even things like the Vita, like I can go and get a fork of Unreal 3, for Vita, that's barely maintained, but it exists, right? Yeah, so, right. And yeah. So
0: this is this is free unless you have Amazon Web Services. But if I'm not wrong, Unity is also now free. Is that correct? Yeah, free-ish. it's uh, Ish? free-ish, okay. yeah. So yeah. If, you, if I were an indie developer coming in, would I go, is there a compelling reason for me to use um, Lumberyard rather than something like Unreal or Unity? Honestly, no. Okay, yeah. It's so interesting (sighs) because we have, I mean, the, the hardware space, like I said, is just not competitive at all at this point, unless you're Xbox or PlayStation and then you're fighting each other. So it really does come down to, I think, making games. If Amazon can make games, I think... They can, you know, build up kind of a reputation in this sphere that is better than what it is now. Um, And like you said, they have some really good hires. They have lots of people from AAA studios that have worked on really big games. Um, They just hired Jeff Grubb as their senior narrative designer. And I'm name dropping him because I've met him. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they're clearly looking to make big story driven, quote unquote, AAA games for the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. But I after hearing you talk about it, I'm wondering how competitive the engine space can really is really going to be in the end since unreal and unity are so popular like when i go to a convention like pax south everyone's developing their games in unreal or unity and i last i checked uh, based on my experience at pax south a lot more of them in unity at this moment um just from talking to people on the floor but yeah, yeah, I'm wondering what would compel a developer to go to to use this service, and if Twitch and like the integration of chat play and Twitch streams is going to be something that will make Lumberyard competitive on the level of Unreal or Unity.
1: Well, think about it, Simone. I mean, if I wanted to go and integrate Twitch into the Unreal Engine today. Is that an easier task than it would be for me as a studio to go pick up an entirely new engine (laughs) that's not documented in the same way, that doesn't have the history of Unreal, that doesn't have the massive amount of information on Stack Overflow, that doesn't have experts that have worked on it for years and years and years like what is easier like like Take your changing studio and you start right, from scratch <laughs> right and i'm not trying to be down on this because i know totally, a lot yeah. of hardcore engine people like cry engine does have advantages but you know there's this thing we talk a lot about in the apple world like are you skating to where the puck is or to where the puck is going to be i and christine i'd love your input on this to me I see engines as, frankly, kind of a solved problem and an increasingly commoditized thing. And, you know, when I'm thinking about where we're going, my question is not freaking Twitch integration. Like, I'm asking myself <laughs> who's going to be able to create a, you know, an API and like support HoloLens and you. you know, HTC and you know, Oculus more quickly. Thank you. So, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do that, Amazon or Unreal? Right.
0: They are going to support Oculus, but it's still in private beta, I believe. Sure. They, yeah, it's
1: one thing to say you support it, Simone. It's another totally. to have an outcome that's a pragmatic pipeline for a game developer. Yeah. So, you know.
2: Yeah, no, I, mean, I think you make great points, Bree, because that would kind of be my question. I mean, I think that their argument would be, obviously, that they would they're going after maybe the, the developers who haven't chosen a game engine path yet. But to your point earlier, you know, it seems like this is maybe not the, even though you can get maybe some beautiful results and there are some, some advantages in some things with CryEngine, it doesn't seem like it's, there's not as much information about it, like you said, and it's not going to be one of those things that people are coming out of, you know, college knowing or maybe would, would want to pick up. So I feel like you're right to me if i were looking at this i think that they're playing off of the, the twitch integration and frankly beyond that the, the, the daily active user stuff so really trying to get to the the you know um online play stuff because that's how they're charging for this they're charging a dollar fifty per thousand daily active users that's great five years ago <laughs> i don't know if that's great today because as you say i'm thinking that the next you know realm of free-to-play games is going to be the next big breakthrough is going to be happening on, on the virtual platform, you know, VR or an AR, not on mobile. I think that we've kind of reached the, like the uh, not peak, but I think that we've it, it's become as entrenched as it's going to become. Social with gaming free-to-play. has been solved, yes, and, and 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 Unity, frankly, had you know owns that. So I, I don't know what their advantages are, and, and I think to your point too, Bree. Like I kind of yeah. So I wonder like why they're doing this and not going after the the next generation of gaming stuff. And I have to. Also, say you know they when you talk about maintaining a fork, you know they've forked Android, right. and they haven't done a great job <laughs> with keeping up with the Android stuff at all. I mean, it, it's it's a problem. Actually, this is one of the problems that a lot of game developers and app developers. Um, I, I don't talk as much to the game developers, but I certainly talk to the app developers. Have with building things for Amazon is that. You know they update the Fire OS every however often they update parts of it. You know to be Android compatible, but I think they're still technically. I don't even know if they're at Android 5.0 in terms of of, of the API compatibility stuff. And so they you know, they they take away a lot of access to things. You don't have the Google Play services, and so it's difficult for people to port their apps and get the full experience. And then they they change and deprecate APIs, and they they're they're not backporting stuff as as well as they should. So their fork has been I think one of the reasons why you know, um, to to their credit, I think at this point, tablet stuff is kind of commoditized and they're a big part of that because they're so inexpensive. And I do think the Fire TV is a a great TV device. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a good gaming device, but I think it's a fantastic uh, uh, set-top box. I like my Apple TV better, but I really like the Fire TV and the Fire TV Stick. I like them better than the Chromecast, if I'm honest. Um, But, you know, yeah, when I look at what they've done with Android and how well they've maintained that – It's not impressive. And to me, I mean, you point out, I think it would be even more important for – a game engine to be constantly updated and, and have a really yeah. good you know to have to have you know at the very least have it on github have something where people can at least make you know pull requests or, or, or submit patches because like you said you're, you've got to keep you know you can find a, a version of unity or, or, or unreal to work with not unity but you can find a version of unreal to work with almost anything you know find somebody's you know kind of you know fork of it or, or, or weird version um, those are things people are going to want especially for games and I think especially when it comes to pc stuff there's going to be intricacies when it comes to different types of hardware, that they are not necessarily going to. And I, I, I don't know if, if you guys might know this more than me because I don't really know anybody on their gaming side, but I don't know if they have a team set up to deal with, you know, all that stuff. Because the more we're talking about this, the more it seems like this is a really big undertaking. Yeah, I've um, never met
1: anyone that I'm at, you know, in look, I'm sure there are professionals there and they're great, but I'm saying in the, the field of people I know. I, I've never met anyone that works on their hardware team. And I think you can't emphasize that point enough, Christina. So if I am working on a game for, for this that's really going to take advantage of CryEngine, I am talking about at least a million dollars. Like even, let's, let's be generous and say half a million dollars. Mm. So half a million dollars in investment. I am counting on a team with no prior track record. To count that they are going to follow through and give me a tenable way to get this on PlayStation, Xbox One, PC, hopefully Mac, you know, yeah. Oculus, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Is that a bet you would make $500,000 on? No. For, for freaking Twitch integration? I mean, uh, hell no. Well, no, no especially right. not
2: when, as you point out, the people who actually created CryEngine are Almost bankrupt. bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing, right? Is that is that you know Unity and Unreal have have made it work. You know, Unreal because they have more; they're, they're more than just a game engine. You know, they they have they have whole other things. You know, I mean, they they and, and Unity because they've hustled, and they've raised funding, and they've done a lot of stuff, they've they've worked their butts off. But yeah, I mean, but but the CryEngine guys, I mean, to your point, I mean, they're almost in bankruptcy, and that's the reason why this is being forked for part. You know, one of the reasons is probably because they're like, we don't know if this company's going to be around. Um and it probably was just cheaper. I don't know why they just didn't acquire them. They just were like, we want to do our own thing. Yeah, I mean, I would be really concerned before making that sort of investment. Um, I wonder though. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they pitch this. Again, I have a feeling that their their pitch is not going to be for established game developers, but they're going to be trying to go after the upstarts. I don't know if that'll work, but I have a feeling that's going to be their earlier pitch rather than trying to go after the established houses because i don't think that any of their partners even people who they work with and who pay them a lot of money and who they you know love i don't i don't see any of their partners being like yep we're gonna drop unreal for this
1: <laughs> yeah and then, and that's really the point right like you see the marketing it we haven't talked about there was a really interesting thing that if you tried to read coverage about this the lawyer snuck something in the the user agreement oh, where they? it's not to be used for medical purposes unless there's a zombie outbreak. So oh, oh yeah, I love that. I thought that was so right. great. To see so that. what yeah. was the story on Polygon on you know Kotaku? All of these things, it's leading with that, and it's like, ha ha, it's a cheap laugh. And you know, like I, I'm sorry, I know I'm gonna get tweets about this, but it is. It is such a simplistic interpretation of this situation when I read comment posts from people that are like, oh, well, this engine wants a $20 a month fee, and this is free. Like, this is going to win. It's so Mm. much more complicated than that, people. It is so much more complicated about it. So there's a... I agree, Christina. They're kind of going... There is at least a, a potential for some indie developers to to work with this, but honestly, like let's let's be honest here. Do you really believe that the puck is moving to a place where indie developers working with this API? Like that's the future? that's really something you need to be making a big bet in because i don't you know there's a reason my studio's moving into the vr space so well it's smarter than building an engine from the ground up but we'll see
0: well it certainly (laughs) is it
2: certainly is and 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 i mean i think that it's interesting, too, because didn't they try a couple of years ago, and I don't think it really went anywhere, but they tried that whole, like, the PC streaming service thing where, like, you could stream PC games from your, from, from <laughs> Amazon web services, yep. and then that kind of crashed and burned. I mean, they've had so many attempts at trying to do gaming because they understand that it has a lot of revenue potential for them, I think, especially on their services side, and I think that well, you're he- right, Brie. I think this kind of plays into being yet another thing they can offer developers as a tech, saying, hey, we've got a game engine, too, so in addition to storing your assets on our servers and using our compute power to do some of our stuff and we'll also have this this integration to do online play and to do Twitch streams and to do other things that might be you know make good sales copy but I think you make a great point which is that if you're actually investing half a million or a million dollars in a project you're going to need more than a fancy sales strategy to actually convince you to drop something that's tried and true and that you know will work on platforms and that already has a strategy going forward for the next generation of, of platforms mm-hmm. rather than something that seems like it's still stuck you know, yep. in, in, in the, that, that, as you say, you know, is, is not where the puck's going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the last thing I'll say here, and we should, we should move on. At GDC this year, I remember Adobe made a huge, huge push with lots of marketing and banners up everywhere. And they announced Adobe was coming out with their own game engine. And yes. Could use it. It was open source. I don't even remember the name of it. Because I Nothing either. happened. I mean, until you said this, that I forgot happening. that it happened. I remember right. it
2: happening because Adobe right. pitches me on everything they do, but until you mentioned this, I'd forgotten about it right so and you it's... think and, and honestly Adobe has a much like bigger <laughs> yeah. better opportunity Adobe you know I mean? has
1: a ton more credibility than Amazon does, so <laughs> you know, no offense guys, but like g- best of luck. I know a lot of people that work on the Amazon game team. I salute your work, I wish you the best. I'm not going with you. So, right.
0: <laughs> This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, yeah. our favorite online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get shipped to your home where they will explode in your face in a good way because they're, you know, vacuum packed and then they blossom <laughs> into a fully grown mattress that you will then sleep on for the rest of your natural life. Casper does not promise that mattresses will last for the rest of your natural life, but they are wonderful and premium quality, so, you know, it's great. Um, anyway, you can... <laughs> You can buy a Casper mattress online and take out all the pain and trouble of going to a store and lying on a bunch of mattresses and being confused and questioning your identity and even your status as a human being. You can browse mattresses online, get them shipped to your house, try them out uh, for a 100-day period, and if you don't like it, you send it back. Get another mattress that suits you better. That is the way of the future. Uh, Casper mattresses are really affordable. You can get a twin for $500, 750 for a full-size mattress, 850 for a queen, and 950 for a king size mattress. That's $950, not $9.50. But they are all made in America, which is important to me as a person who supports American manufacturers of goods. Um. So yeah, I think I, I've said a lot of times that Casper is a really cool and convenient way to buy mattresses and we have been waiting for a year now to ride their mattresses down the longest set of stairs in the world. Uh, Still looking for the longest set of stairs in the world, but I'm totally prepared to do it. Uh, If you Are interested in trying out a Casper mattress, which you totally should be, honestly, after hearing me talk about it, uh, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using the offer code rocket provided to us and then provided to you by Casper uh, to show that you support us and you support Casper and you support FM and you support, I don't know, whatever other cause that we support right now. Um, Beyonce. Mattresses. but Beyonce and comfort. Those are my two favorite things in the world. And Beyonce will not arrive vacuum packed at your home, shipped to you by exactly. Casper. But a mattress is like the next best thing. You can dream I mean, it. Will get you into, it, will,
2: it will get you into formation. <laughs> yes. It's the next best thing to Beyonce tickets, which I got,
1: by the way. Oh,
0: screw you.
1: Christina warned We're enemies. We're enemies. <laughs> can you say Thank the you. part about Casper mattress exploding in your face? again. <laughs>
0: I don't know why you would laugh at that.
1: <laughs> I it's the thought of a Casper mattress just
0: I
2: know I love face. the gif. I lo- I love right. that. Like it's so the wonderful. gif of
0: it of, of it opening up. Yeah. Uh, deeply unfair. I'm going to order 10 of them and then just release them all at the same time in my living room. <laughs> that would make a killer video that would go viral. <laughs> ah. That's my new plan. Sorry Casper, I'm ordering 50 mattresses. I'll just use the one. just just use the offer code rocket. Yep. And I will get so many dollars off. Well, I guess I'll just get the $50 off. But, you know, whatever. It'll be worth it. Uh, Twitter is happening to us still. Oh, uh, Twitter Jill. has implemented their new <sighs> timeline algorithm, uh, which is at the moment um, opt-in. You can check it in your settings. And then eventually, in the coming weeks, that will be rolling out to everyone. What it does currently is vaguely similar to the while you are away function. So they have the most important tweets from people you follow that will appear at the top of your timeline. Um, unlike while you're away, which appears in your timeline and compiles like older tweets if you haven't logged in for a while. So this just, this will be there all the time and will compile the the best tweets from people that you follow. And Twitter has post they posted their revenue or their, they had an earnings call today. Yes, they did. And said that I think revenue has been up, but their users have been stagnating and well, that yes. has continued the stock market plunge that has been happening since <laughs> yeah, January the, the The stock has lost in the last six
2: months it's lost um so much of its value It's not even funny and it's dropped below 10 billion dollar market share which, oh. uh, which which is which means that at this point it is oh. just right pickings for someone to either acquire it or to, uh, try to privatize it i mean it's either going to be private equity uh google or potentially you know maybe you'd see you know alibaba or or, or somebody in china come coming after it um they're, they're, they're in some serious trouble. They're, da- they're monthly active users. So, that, so they don't do daily active like Facebook does. They do monthly active because they're monthly active, their daily active would figure would be not be impressive. I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming, um, for the year were up 6% year on year. Okay. So that sounds okay. That basically means it's flat. Uh, the real problem is when you look at, uh, Q4 2015, they were actually down a million users mm hmm and uh, that's that's a problem. so um, you know they've got about three hundred and seven million users, so they're you know a hundred million less than Instagram um just putting that in perspective the fact that that instagram is uh, you know half its age and photos and acquired by facebook and um twitter you know when, when it passed twitter and users you know twitter was kind of like oh well, it's not a big deal twitter actually tried to buy instagram and instagram rebuffed them and then facebook was like here's a billion dollars and they were like yes please <laughs> um but yeah no i mean this is uh it, it, it's problematic um we talked about on our last rocket the news had kind of broken about the timeline personalization thing. And um, I actually just got that option on my phone. Um, I'm enabling it now and I'm going into it to see how it looks. Um, And I can't really tell yet if it's uh, the the different, I'm not really sure how it's going to be. I mean, their, their goal here. And I think we kind of talked a lot about this last episode is to, I think, bring more users in and and create new users. And that was, I listened to their their earnings call. That was a big, point of kind of commentary on on the earnings call which is we need to bring you know acquire new users and and build a way to get user growth and i think they feel like one of the ways that people won't stop using the service is if they can keep up with what's happening but how well is this going to work i mean it's just really it's unclear and
0: they talked about some other strategies too which i think they're going to address some of the the quirks of twitter that are more difficult for new users to understand like when you uh, at mentions someone at the beginning of a tweet, it goes directly to them instead of in the public timeline. So I think they're going to try to find ways to clarify that. And they yeah, said, they're talking. Yeah, yeah,
2: they have- Yeah, they're talking about changing the at reply, which is a big deal. So for for years, I actually remember when Twitter first made this change. How it used to be that if you did an at reply, so they're actually looking like reverting it to how it used to be. I think they made this change probably in 2008. It might have been 2009, but I think that it was 2008. Um, it used to be that if you would put an at reply to someone it would show up in the public timeline and so you would see mm-hmm. it whether you followed the person or not they changed it and I remember it was controversial at the time um so that you would only see that at reply if you also follow the person mm-hmm. um the idea was that you wouldn't want to see unnecessary conversation between people um that you might not know i at the time was actually not a fan of it i was like i have discovered users that way when I've seen people reply to people and I I haven't followed them and and I've caught up on conversations that way. To get around that limitation, users invented um, a motif where you put a period in front of the at symbol and then put the reply. And that way everyone on the timeline can see the reply as mm-hmm. it's happening and, and so a lot of power users have done that um but getting rid of that and going back to that that method that w- it was in 2008 or, or or early 2009 i can't remember when they changed this i mean i can like literally see where i was sitting on my sofa when it changed <laughs> and i can see my twitter timeline at the time but i can't recall the exact period of time this was just very early twitter uh i mean you know i think that it at least shows that they're acknowledging that using Twitter is more difficult than it should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really, I do like the idea of... Having those conversations be more private, Um, but I totally like that was a thing that took me a shamefully long time to figure out was to put the period in front of the tweets, and they I know don't let well no well
2: no we're not
1: laughing because I mean honestly it took me a long time too if you were if
2: if that's the whole I think this is honestly one of Twitter's big problems is that they face is that once you know it and use it you get it but Mm -hmm. to get to the point where you know it takes a lot and so you have people like me who've been on the service you know since since two thousand seven and. And, um you know, are, are very active and have gone through it as, as, as it's grown and, and shrunk and, and, and augment, you know, it's, it's changed and, and gone through all sorts of permutations. And then you have other people who joined at later stages who don't learn those things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you kind of, we have to kind of pass down tricks, you know, the trade of how things work. I mean, you know, it used to be before they had native quoting, um, and, and native, you know, quote, quotable retweets, which are, I think one of their better God. things that they've implemented naturally natively, uh, I really love, you know, it was the RT before the whole thing would happen, you know, rather than doing the manual retweet so that you would see I remember the comment those or, you dark the, days. or you'd have the comment before the retweet, you know, and whatnot and, and the links to it, um, you know, before they introduced, um, because originally that's what people would do before they had the retweet button. People would do an RT and then would would, would retweet what someone had, had, you know, typed in. Um, and so it, it's... all all this lore passes down but at a certain point if you're a new user how do you learn all of that how do Mm -hmm. you get enmeshed into it and it's one thing for a platform like Snapchat to be hard as hell to use and part of that is because they don't want people my age and and Bree's age (laughs) to use it um they, they they want people Simone's age and younger only
0: on it um but but it's my age thing. is it, pushing it to be honest it, it's, <laughs> uh, it is
2: it is and 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 i say this is you know, someone whose company has you know invested a lot in Snapchat with Snapchat discover but um we know what our demographics are for for the discover channel and they're different than they are on our site let's just put it that way um, can i ask
1: you what snapchat discover is
2: yeah so Snapchat discover is a publishing platform that allows publishers to create channels basically it's almost like a, a daily magazine where you create an edition each day which has huh. snaps and stories so it's really fun so like you go to Mashable awesome. yeah. so if you so you go to mashable for instance you might see like eight or nine stories each day they, they've been taken from our site they've been edited specifically for Snapchat In some cases they are original to Snapchat where we shoot video we have animations and basically people can scroll through the stories and then you can interact with them like sometimes we'll do interactive things where there might be like a word file where you can like you know use the snapchat um art tools to you know find you know hidden words in in a word jumble and then you can snap that and send it to your friends um cosmo does a really really good job buzzfeed has a channel um a a tastemate has one there are there are a lot of uh, popular science i think has one there are a lot of not popular science national geographic um there are um a lot of them and, and they're expanding and um but that's kind of the secondary product to like the the, the core kind of chat and, 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 and story product. And so Snapchat is not an easy platform to use. It's kind of my point. But it kind of doesn't have to because the people who use it and, and are so engaged with it know all the, the ticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Twitter, I feel like because they're, they're not cool with the kids, <laughs> can't have all these unwritten rules that you kind of don't know yeah. how to do things really- if you're trying to
0: get people to sign up. I keep banding around this idea or the thinking about how the problem that Twitter is facing is kind of this community versus company idea and that there are yes. really strong communities on Twitter. Like, I don't think... When they made Twitter, they thought that Black Twitter would be such a powerful entity. And they, no. they they didn't see it as a platform where there would be a really strong indie artist community, a really strong indie games community. And those communities are great, but they're not keeping the platform afloat. Like gro- it's Like, user growth is down, even though revenue is up. So these communities, as strong as they are, are not giving the company what they need to continue succeeding. And that is a huge problem. And there's not really... I mean, Facebook is, I think, a strong place for those communities, but then platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, which are so popular, are way more private in a way. Like, it's, you know, direct communication. Like, I'm reading, you know, Mashable's Snapchat Discover feed, and it's just me interacting with Mashable. I'm not sharing anything out. Whereas Twitter is such, it's way more of a group conversation.
2: It is. I mean, that that's that's the best part of it, and, and that's their challenge. I mean, yeah. that is – I mean, I think when I wrote my, my you know, why like Kanye West, you know, proves why Twitter matters story a couple of weeks ago, I think that was kind of my overlying point, which – and I think you get to the heart of that, which is – all these other networks kind of have this private kind of either one-to-one space thing, which is what you have with Snapchat, unless you're doing, like, stories. Or you have, like, people you actually know are these smaller groups. You have some Instagram things that I think have gone beyond that. Like, the Shade Room is one that comes to mind, where mm. you truly have communities that are built around these these Instagram accounts. And that's really interesting and fascinating. Um, and, then you know, you have YouTube and Twitch things that have communities, too. But Twitter, because it is this public timeline, has a certain feeling where you don't necessarily have to be part of the group to participate mm-hmm. and you can f- find a way into a group. I think more easily than you can on some of those other platforms. So that makes sense. Definitely. I definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah. And I just, I don't know how they can maintain, I don't know how how they can promote growth when it's so hard for people to get into it. Um, obviously they're trying to make it more accessible. They're focusing a lot more on Periscope and the video services this year. Uh, They actually they outlined five priorities, so they're going to say refinement of our core service to quote the thing that they said: live streaming, video um, creators and influence, safety, and developers. So yeah, developers. I I think think it's a
1: wrong direction for them. I I, video or... Well, he, I I think, you know, Christina like your periscope thing was awesome like when that came through, but I think the yeah, you know, I can't remember who wrote it, it was VC a while back, he invested a ton of money in Twitter and he was talking about all of his suggestions to hey, Chris make Saka. it work. Yeah, Chris Sacca. And the the thing that makes Twitter awesome and that will always make Twitter awesome is when I'm watching a debate I know yep. I'm participating in that debate with other people live events, yep. live, yeah, events so like live events live events and I I don't know I feel like some of the I feel like some of the changes they're making are almost like trying to make an entire paradigm shift for this for this network and change its nature the very fundamental nature of Twitter will make harassment always a factor on Twitter the very fundamental nature of Twitter is it's not like I'm sure Periscope and video will be a component of it, but it's always going to be like a short, active thing to like figure out what the conversation is at that moment. You know, I I don't no, know. Totally. It's like in your in your industry, Christina, but like there's stuff that happens in game dev every day. If you're not on Twitter, you don't know <laughs> about the drums, right? Yeah. right. So, no, totally. So, right. I
2: mean, me, both both. Journalism I, I'm in too. Both, well, I'm in both media Twitter and tech Twitter, right? Sure. So, and, and I'm sometimes, and, and so and you're dead on. You The dramas and, and the kind of the things that happen. So it means I I, I catch both when Mark Andreessen puts his foot in his mouth and when Kanye puts his foot in his mouth in the same day, I might add. That happened yesterday. And I was like, oh, Are that you was kidding epic, me? too. It the was
1: Kanye both. The Kanye one, I was just like, one, oh, I, I guess can't. I'm not going to read any coverage of the, the debate tonight. And this is going to eat I was, up I, all of Twitter. I, yeah.
2: Completely. I was like, I can't. And then, and then, then Mark Andreessen, you know, like put his foot in his mouth. I mean, it just the whole thing. So I, I on both ends, but like, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is the thing is is you need to be there to be there, and that's those are the moments that happen. And they actually said on the on the earnings call, I mean, they they they, they stressed how important live events are to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they need to build a product around that when you onboard, and we we've, we've talked about that before. And I'm with you. I don't. I think they do need to focus on harassment, but I feel like. And I feel – I don't know you guys' take. It feels like they're saying some of the right things because they know they're getting blowback from it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they have a solution. And I think they are with us in the sense that they're saying, this is not what we should focus on before we focus on saving the company. Because
0: you're right, Bri- Isn't Moments their solution for onboarding people to live events? Users. Kind of the pro, yes. And for some
2: cases, that can work. The problem is, is that a lot of times the moments happen after the moment's already happening. So it's yeah. hard for yep. you, they're gonna have to get a team that's good enough or algorithms that are good enough that in real time can, can, you know, bring things together. Here's how, mo- mm-hmm. <clears throat> case in point, I was actually featured in a Twitter moment on Monday Aww. for The Bachelor.
0: Oh, I mean, I was both really proud and really, really horrified. Um, I totally missed that because I was not in that's the moment. Fine.
1: Can I just say, like, <laughs> in watching that Twitter moment, I'm like, I got to go buy The Bachelor on Apple TV yes. and watch this. Oh, oh it because it was insane. Awesome. It was, well, it
2: was one of the best episodes yeah. of the season. Yeah. It was so good. This girl who'd been completely innocuous, who hadn't been on Olivia? the radar at all, yeah. went crazy and threw other girls oh. under the bus for no reason and then <gasps> lied to his face. And yes. he's like, she's lying oh, on yes. national TV. And we're like, you liar. You you, you liar. And then he sent her home oh. when she continued to talk <gasps> about this other girl. And uh, it was it was a magical moment of television. Um, And then the girl who's been the villain all season got sent home too. It was just – it was really good TV. My point though is that that Bachelor moment uh, was put together – after the conclusion of the the East Coast airing, so if 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 you mm. were in the East Coast and you're watching, you're probably what you're probably doing is is, is surfing the hashtag The Bachelor and, and 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 retweeting and finding people that way because that's how I get a lot of my retweets of people who just kind of like hang out at the Bachelor hashtag and and, and follow things that way. <laughs> um, and and uh, the moments are great for encapsulating that stuff after the fact, but it's not really great for while it's actually happening because they usually by the time the moment is up the moment is past. It's a weird paradox thing. I think they're going to get better with it, they're going to get faster with it. And certainly for people who are on the West Coast who hadn't watched the show yet, that was would be a great way to deliver it to them. But I think and in sporting events I think are better for moments because it you know there's a lot of time that passes where nothing's happening, where you can create your moment and update things and you can kind of see in real time reactions, but it's difficult when it's something narrative based or even something like a debate where some of the most memorable things you know the moment will be encapsulated in it after if you've already been on twitter you, you've caught it happening so i think that's yeah, so, so i think that's the that's one of their problems yeah. but i think you know to, yeah. to, to your point earlier brie you know about like their harassment focus and i'd love to get you this take on this like i feel like they almost kind of agree with us which is this is a problem and we need to solve it but we're kind of i at least to me it feels like they're paying lip service to it i don't see them actually putting no.
1: it no. in front of product i completely product. disagree with really that. you think
2: they're putting it ahead of their product
1: no, I don't think they're putting it I think they're giving it the proper amount of tension it, it yeah. needs. And yeah, you know, this uh I think it was two days ago they announced their harassment council yeah, or whatever help the help frack help, they're yeah. calling it. But this is just like an official um an official implementation of something they've been doing unofficially. Right. Like I've had a lot of calls with Twitter this year. Like, okay, this is your policy on X, Y, Z. I've had conversations where I will report someone that clearly needs to be banned and then Twitter will blow it and then I will talk to them and they will refine their policies about that. So um, I see them doing exactly what needs to be done. Um, I, I do wanna ask you this, Christina, I know we're about out of time on this topic. Can either of you help me understand what the pushback from people is on moments. Because I had a BuzzFeed editor, like I I was tweeting and I'm like, I like moments. And he retweeted and said, this is the worst tweet of all time. And I, I fundamentally don't understand the pushback i think like a lot of it all...
0: came from yeah. uh yes. swapping of the that's the that, buttons that's what it is, what it is. people
2: feel like it's being cool. forced down their throat so when they switched where notifications was placed on the website versus where moments were because it's a muscle memory thing you know you always click the same place for notifications now you're getting moments instead people feel on like the website, yeah, on the website people
1: use the twitter a lot website. of people do yeah
2: i mean i i mostly use oh. like a tweet bot like on, on on the desktop um and then you know various apps on the phone but on the website a lot of people do do that and so I think a lot of the pushback especially media people and again you mentioned it's a BuzzFeed editor so you're talking about somebody who probably interacts with it on the web more than the regular average person might he probably uses you know tweet deck or, or something too but um I think that the pushback has been not the product itself because I don't think the product is bad I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's bad, but that like a it was mm-hmm. the very first thing that Jack kind of launched when he came back, even though it was in development before he came back and and b you know they kind of feels like they're trying it's like fetch they're trying to make it happen like they really, really want it to happen and Twitter users and this is a big problem for the service are really really. <laughs> And really complain about things. I mean, we—the whole reason we talked about Twitter um, on our last show was because R.I.P. Twitter was was trending. Jack has a step in and then responds to it. He ended up being like, "Don't worry, we're not getting rid of anything. We're not doing anything you think we are." And then you know, today it turns out, yeah, we're doing exactly what you thought we were gonna do. Uh, but like, I think that Twitter users, um, as as even though there aren't enough of us, are really vocal and really don't like change. And historically, Twitter as a company has had a really hard time with that, whereas Facebook's one of those companies where they will just change it and and, and believe that they know better than the users, and, and frankly, in most cases, they do, um, and it will work yeah. out for them. Um, <laughs> Twitter, because they backtrack so many times where they've made a, a decision or a policy change or a product change, and then the audience is freaked out, and then they've gone back on their word, I feel like we're just whiny children who we don't like something, so we're just going to complain about it on Twitter – is it
0: because so many media yes. people use Twitter? Absolutely, do you think? and
2: I think that's and, and I think that honestly, this this hurts the narrative around Twitter as a company because the way it's being reported. Is mostly by people who use it in a very specific way and i'm guilty of this mm-hmm. too i try to think beyond myself i try to think how would my mom use it and my mom does follow my twitter feed she's not on twitter but she'll read my tweets um which is sweet and my, my, my mother-in-law is on twitter occasionally you know my sister sometimes logs in but like i try to think about how mm-hmm. i would use this if i were not in media if i were not you know a, a, and also on, on the tech side of things and it, and I, but I do think it skews my coverage to a certain degree because we use it and live and breathe it in a very different way than the average person does and um, our expectations I think of the product are different, our value of the product are different and we don't quite understand the challenges they face with trying to get regular people to join. Yeah, this is kind of what
0: I was getting at earlier is like you have these strong communities, but Twitter needs to change. It needs to do things and it needs to at a certain point disregard what those communities say that they want. Yeah, yeah. And the Twitter community is one of the most vocal. (laughs) And a uh, cagey, if you will, like a wild animal. You can
2: totally. And I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say one thing real quick, which I do find kind of ironic, is that they one of their big areas, you know, the five pillars, things they want to focus on, they say, are developers. Um, and they said that they want people to be able to build their businesses on their platform. And I had to laugh at that because although, and I've talked to to people who work with Twitter, or, you know, from from a developer standpoint, who say things are getting better. You know, we've talked about this before on the show too. I think one of the main reasons why they have a hard time finding this growth, and they're kind of having these community problems. Is because they ruined their relationship with third party developers. They ruined it. Mm-hmm. They when when they started making API yeah. changes, when yeah. they banned third party clients, when they started making it difficult for com- when they started directly competing with companies like you know companies like Storeify. Even when they started competing with you know uh, when they bought TweetDeck and and really started getting more into the you know managed kind of Tweet space and making companies like Hootsuite's lives more difficult. When they kind of declared war on developers four years ago, that was, um, I think they're undoing in a lot of ways because who would trust them at this point, even if they're saying they changed, who would really want to build their business on Twitter when we've seen just as recently as Meerkat, what they will do to a company who, in, who is, is getting them in their sandbox and is doing something that's, that Twitter wants to do. Everything's all well and good, mm-hmm. build on our API, but don't you dare build something we might want or want to implement ourselves because then we're going to cut you off Like, that's a really bad way of encouraging development and and encouraging people to take this to the next level, especially when you are a platform that your very essence, your retweet, your at reply, your, you know, shortened links, twit pics, the whole thing were all created by third parties. So,
0: Broad City Season 3 trailer? It looks hilarious. I laughed so hard. (laughs) I
2: said that to so many people. I sent that to
0: my controversial opinion. I sent that to the Abbey in my life and I was like, this is us. Dude,
1: dude.
0: Yes, no. I, uh, I. What do we? Maybe this is a bad third topic. What do we even say about it beyond? Oh my god, I'm so excited.
1: I have to say, like I've not seen the show yet, and I saw that trailer, <laughs> and I'm just. Oh my god! I am buying every season. I'm going to binge it this weekend. Frank is just effed. Like I don't care if he wants to. Moments
0: that I'm not a huge fan of in the second season, but overall, it is such a strong, strong show. And it's it's one of the only shows where you get to see like young women. being Being young women gross and sexual and not that those two things are the same, but I'm like, you know, but it doesn't
2: do it in a girl's bodily humor jokes, that kind
0: of thing. And it's not like yeah but but, but, but it's not
2: weird like girls. Like exactly. Like it's Yeah, yeah. Hannibal Baress it's just genuinely Hannibal Baress is hilarious on it. And it's just living in New York especially, (laughs) like I relate to so many things. (laughs) Like I I'm married and I'm not single so I don't relate to that aspect of it. But like I I was I was saying this to to one of my friends and I was like these this is us if we were both single. You know, like the the, You know, Abby and and Alana are us. And but yeah, it's just it's such a funny show. I think it's one of Comedy Central's
0: best. I, I love it. So, okay, we have to talk about the other thing that happened, which was that while we were recording on Saturday, Beyonce Beyonce dropped dropped a freaking music video just to spite us personally. Yes. And it it was so so good. good. So good.
2: from the New York Times is my Facebook friend. We're not real life friends, sadly. I wish we were because I love Jenny Deluxe. She's amazing. She wrote um, as part of a broader conversation with the New York Times about formation and Beyonce sent her flowers today oh which she posted the note on, on twitter and facebook just... and it's
0: did beyonce touch the flowers with her i mean hands? i don't
2: know i don't know if she wrote the note or not but like it, it says love beyonce she got flowers from beyonce is all i'm saying but
0: that's but but anyway
2: but, so you know.
1: do you take those flowers and freeze them in the and that yes. just keep them in your house forever because i think i would do that yeah <laughs> and it wouldn't be weird yeah.
0: you take yeah. a million selfies with them you
1: yeah i don't know yeah, I would let friends come by to touch the flowers. It would be it would be great.
2: Yeah, but we have to talk about the, the <laughs> song and the video. Or, or the whole thing is just amazing. I've been listening to it nonstop. I got Beyonce tickets for New York um, nonstop.
1: Oh, weren't they more than a thousand dollars?
0: no. I mean, it was close, but no. Okay. How could a concert ticket cost a thousand dollars? Hi, I know it's Beyonce. Don't say. <laughs> Look, I got floor seats. I'm not going to talk about how much I spent per ticket. We're
2: not going to talk about it. Um, I, I got okay. it from free, okay. so we're, okay. we're not going to talk about it. And uh, we're nope. definitely not going to tell my husband about it. Um and it's my money um but yeah but the resells right now are insane and it's like it's like i it's right now i it's like new york is having a con and this is before this is because the general tickets haven't gone on sale yet so it's just what's been available uh, for american express and in bayhive members so it was like a limited amount um the the general on sale which will sell out in in seconds happens on tuesday but um i uh it took me a long time to get those tickets, and it was a very stressful experience. But I'm, but I'm going to be going. Here's what I found out, though, and this is like the worst thing in the entire world, you guys. So the concert is on June seventh. That's a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, what what week okay. typically does WWDC take place?
1: Oh, no. oh yeah. Oh, I hadn't. Even oh yeah. Thought of oh that. yeah. So there's
2: a very real no. possibility that I might have to be in San Francisco for the keynote, and then fly my ass back to New York. To see beyonce with my sister or somehow not you know
0: what but it's got i agree because i i, agree, yeah, I, I, I mean i know happen. you
2: don't say no to floor seats for beyonce
0: nope nope no you're this is your future this is the grave that you have done it is destiny, but it's it's not grave it's her, but her destiny you, but it's the casper yeah. bed that you've made yes, for but, yourself but that you're going to lie I, i've, I've talked you know what much. christina
1: we We get that Casper money. (laughs) Like, that's what it's good for, is Beyonce. uh, Honestly, that's so
2: true. It it completely is. But I want to hear you guys' thoughts, because I've I've talked a lot on Twitter and other places about my thoughts of formation, but I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. I'm just in love with the whole thing.
0: I love it. It was so aesthetically pleasing. It was the most aesthetically pleasing thing that I have laid eyes upon, and I love, I think one of my favorite things about it was just the mix of that old video look, like Kind of playing it on a VCR kind of style. It was so gritty and just so gorgeous. And Blue Ivy. And every single outfit was plus. Yes. And Blue Ivy. Mm. Oh my god, she was she so cute. She was so cute. cute. Her baby hair with baby yeah. hair and, this and was afro. Just like, Love it. I mean, middle fingers up to white America. It was beautiful. Yes. It was. Yeah.
1: I I can't even get into that on the show because then I will be the one using so many coarse words <laughs> like <you're laughs> tweeting it to Steve. I, I don't get it. If 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 you didn't see that video and are just inspired by the artisticness of it mm-hmm. and the you know, the, the message is not even in your face, even if for some reason you disagree with it. It's, it's like, come on, just appreciate some yeah. art appreciate some art so much art is like commercial and and pointless and like this has real merit and it's mm-hmm. important and like just appreciate it and just there's so just much
0: thought it oh. went into every part of yeah. it oh. like the whole aesthetic narrative of it and it's for for something that again came out of nowhere again I mean, maybe right. some people had their finger on the pulse and thought this was coming but like Every single bit of it is so beautifully detailed and perfectly shot. It's incredible. Can we talk about the fact that the video is, is
2: unlisted, yet it still has almost 23 million views? <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. And, I, I, and oh, part yeah. of that I know is because we've all linked to it a million times and whatnot, but like I, I, had to, I had to add a link to it for some other thing, and I was looking it up on YouTube and was just finding copies. I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, <laughs> oh, crap, it's still unlisted. I was like, Beyonce, damn, girl, damn. Like yeah hot sauce in my bag swag like i i love it i love it
0: as oh. a as a southern person no did you really no like- <laughs> i don't like hot sauce but brie
1: might i i do you not like I hot don't. sauce well that's because you're not close enough to louisiana that's probably my that's my dad's swag. from
2: louisiana but yeah. I, I i can't deal with spicy food
1: oh christina i, I mm. i'm just i i thought you were i know I thought, I like, you were the Beyonce of tech not, journalism, and now you are the Katy oh Perry. My God.
2: Can no. I at least be the Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh, she remains the Thank Taylor you. Swift of Thank tech you. journalism. All right. All right. We'll Which means that I'm a wannabe southerner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Right.
0: <laughs> you got out of country as soon as you yes, could. Yes, I did. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, I went to New York.
2: I left the country for New York. <laughs>
1: such a stereotype (laughs) and for media too (laughs) like you're living the southern dream
0: i really am god (laughs) all right Uh, brianna where
1: can we find you online you can find me on twitter if it's not hit by a meteor (laughs) (laughs) by the time this episode goes live you can find me on the twitter machine under space cat gal all right oh we didn't (laughs) talk about what we're doing this week i i am I, I am exploding. I'm taking meetings. I will okay. be in meetings. You had 10,000 today. You'll have 10,000 oh, tomorrow. God. Um, oh. And it will carry
0: on into infinity. Christina, what are you doing and where can we find I'm you? Um, I don't really
2: have anything to add more specific than that. And uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters.
0: Cool. And Good I am turning. making personal videos that will never see. <laughs> <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> you can Snapchat <laughs> me, Simone. <laughs> came out wrong, but you can oh, feel God. free to spiral on that one. I don't care. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Doomquasar. And uh, yeah, that's our show. Please review us on iTunes and tell us how much you love us, and maybe I'll send you that video. Oh my
1: god! Writing Stephen as we speak to tell him the title must be personal videos that never. Sit that's, that's the
2: title.
0: That is the title, and you made it weird. I love you so much. You made it. You had to make even
2: your oh,
1: outro god.
0: weird. I love it. You think I'm not gonna sneak one in? At the I last did. Time? I did. I was like, oh my
2: god, she hasn't made
0: it weird yet, but you did. You pulled through.
1: <laughs> she made it a little weird. Let's let's it's be honest. your
0: brand. Yeah. Uh, you're being generous, but thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Review us on iTunes and stuff. And this episode of Rocket is terminated. <laughs> terminated.
2: terminated.